Good morning. How are we doing? Man, what a great morning for who you are and all you've done, Father, Spirit, Holy Spirit, Son. It just, oh, I love these words, right? Let's continue to worship him because even though we stop singing, the worship doesn't stop. All right, let's keep worshiping him. Um, love what God's doing here at BBCC. So listen in. I hope you're, I hope you're leaning in on those announcements. And um, gosh, what's the next step for you? What does God have for you here? Because he's not done with you and he's not done with me. So several, several, several years ago, a colossal ship set sail on its maiden voyage. April 10th, 1912 to be exact. Its length was 882 feet and 9 inches. It weighed 46,328 tons. It was colossal. It was said to be practically unsinkable. And for 2,000 plus people, they put their trust in this ginormous ship. And as it set sail on its maiden voyage, no one thought, What would happen next would happen. The practically unsinkable ship, the Titanic, failed them. And again, for over 2,000 people and quite a large percentage of those people, they actually passed. They put their trust in this unsinkable thing. Never could it let you down, and yet it did. What have you been putting your trust in these days that has let you down? That has sunk? Your marriage is maybe on the rocks. After years and years of trying and working at it, it feels like there's no hope. It feels like it's sinking. You see your bank account dwindling. You see your stocks and your investments and et cetera just going down. You're in the red. You don't know what to do. You're sinking. Maybe you're just mentally in your headspace, just overwhelmed. You're so anxious and paralyzed by the anxiety. You feel like you're sinking. This morning, we're going to talk about the one thing that does not sink in our lives. You see, your bank account can be gone tomorrow. Your relationships, whatever kind, your friendships, your relationships, they can end. They don't last forever. Our own selves, we let us down. But Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, he is the one who will not let us down. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock, he is the unsinkable one. And so this morning, we are going to ask ourselves this question, who is this Jesus? And can we trust him? Can we trust that he is who he says he is? And our main point this morning, our overarching theme is this. We can put all of our trust in Jesus. He is that solid rock. He is that firm foundation. He is unsinkable. He is who he says he is. 
And along the way this morning, towards the end, we're going to ask ourselves this question too. How did Jesus convince so many people that he really is God? How could this supposed man convince others that he is the son of God? And we will find Jesus being fully God and fully man made it 100% apparent who he is. And so now as we go into our time, as we continue to worship, would you pray with me? Lord, we love you, we worship you, we magnify you for all you, for who you are, for all you've done. We worship you, receive our praise. We give this time to you. And God, in a room this size, there are so many different stories. There are people coming in with great weeks and there are people coming in with the worst weeks they've had in a long time and everything in between. Lord, you want to meet with each person here wherever they are at. And so, Lord, would you speak? Would you move? Would you lead? God, when, you're, when your word is open, you do incredible things. When your people praise you, you do incredible things. And we just pray, God, you work, you lead, you have your way. Be with each one of my friends this morning. And we're just here to worship you, to connect with you, to meet with you. You care. You care, God. You are here. We thank you for that. We praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. Who is Jesus and can we put our trust in him? Well, first, we want to give you a, a little bit of a recap of where we've been for the past several months. So we've been in this series, the story of reality. And the idea is this. You remember those puzzle pieces from, a, if, you were, if you weren't here a few months ago, we, we talked about these puzzle pieces and the fact that when it comes to the reality of life, we're all trying to figure out what reality is. The most important question, one of them is, what is life about? What is reality? And there's quite a few false narratives, false realities out there. And our, our focus this time has been the true reality is found in Jesus Christ. And we've started to put these puzzle pieces together, and we've looked at the creation and the fall, and we've looked at the promises of God all pointing to Jesus. We've looked at Abraham, who God met with and said, I'm going to bless your people. And, and eventually, we see that Jesus comes from that people, Jesus talks to Moses and he says, I'm going to bring a prophet that's greater than you. We see that's Jesus. God comes to David in 2 Samuel 7. He says, out of your lineage will come this Messiah who is Jesus. And so all throughout the story of reality, as we've been talking about over these months and, and in the midst of December, we looked at Jesus' coming to earth. We have focused on the fact that the puzzle pieces fit in the gospel. The puzzle pieces fit only in the gospel. And you and I and everybody out there is trying to say, what is reality? And we are saying, here's the truth. Here's the message. Here's the story. Now, how do you and I fit in there? The story of reality. And so now as we deep dive into Jesus and who is he, we're going to start in this passage. We're going to start in John chapter 8. John chapter 8, verses 56 through 58. And our point number one for who is Jesus is this. Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is Yahweh. 
John 8, 56 through 59, if you've never heard this name before Yahweh, let's unpack that by looking at our passage. So Jesus is talking with the Jewish leaders, and he is not just talking. They're having quite a heated discussion. The Jewish leaders didn't like Jesus. I wonder why. Maybe it's because he claimed to be God. But Jesus tells them, your father Abraham, who we just referenced a few moments ago, he rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And the Jewish leader said, you are not yet 50 years old. They said to him, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus goes, very truly, I tell you, before Abraham was born, what are those next two words highlighted? I am. I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Jesus is Yahweh. He is I am. What does this mean? Well, when Jesus says this, he he hyperlinks back to something that happens in Exodus 3.14. And in Exodus 3.14, God meets with Moses in the midst of a burning, but not really burning, bush, right? And he talks to him, he meets with him, and Moses says, who should I say you are? What should I tell the people who who you are? And God says, I am. Yahweh is what we see in the Hebrew. Yahweh, this word that basically is limitless, I am. I am who I am. And so throughout the Old Testament, when our English Bibles, when you look in them, majority of translations, when you see capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it's Yahweh. It is the covenantal God who met with his people. His name is so packed. In fact, in Jewish culture, they wouldn't even say this name because it was so significant and huge and reverent. And so when Jesus in John chapter 8 says, I am, he knows what he is doing. You look at the Jewish leaders and their response, they pick up stones. Why would they pick up stones if Jesus is saying, hey, I am? They knew what this meant. I am is packed and loaded and Jesus knew it. I got to tell you this crazy thing that happened. So you ever have those moments during the week where you're like, there's something that's on your heart and then something else happens. You're like, okay, God, I see you working. I'm on the phone with like an insurance call the other day. I'm on hold for like half an hour, you know, because that's just the way it works. And of course I'm annoyed and, you know, a little bit frustrated by that. And the guy comes on and we start talking and, and it comes up what my, you know, profession is, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and uh, he just starts opening up, just opening up, and he's like, oh, you know what, I just, I'm trying to read about all these religions, and, I, and we just started talking about it, and I, so, I talked about the fact that, you know, I believe that Jesus is, is the one true way, and all the things that you're looking for, his name's named Rudy, Rudy, all the things you're looking for, you know, it's, it's, Jesus is the source of that love that you're talking about, and he keeps going, and, and then I, I, I say something along the lines of, I really want to encourage you to read through the Gospel of John, get to know Jesus. And then that prompts him to say, you know what? I'm reading this book that's called I Am. 
And it's talking about how Jesus said, I am. And so I'm excited. And of course I do, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Googling the book that he's telling me about. And my heart just sank when I looked up what he was reading. This book was all about your self-actualization. That there's all kinds of gods out there and the power of saying, I am. It's all about me and my self-confidence and self-actualization. This book completely missed the point about what Jesus was saying. You see, people out there in our world will say there's many different ways to God. This, what we are saying, is offensive. And they will say Jesus didn't say anything about being God. People afterwards kind of just like made that up. And yet we see in John 8, and contrary to Rudy's book, he stood there and he said, I am. And that's why they picked up the stones to stone him. And so Rudy and I got to chat about that. And I got to actually pray with him at the end of this insurance call and pray that he would know Jesus, the one and only God. Yahweh, I am. This makes all the difference in the world for you and me. This means that we have an unsinkable ship in Jesus. I don't want some pantheon of gods, these lowercase g gods who really don't make much of a difference, but tell me how great I am in my self-actualization. Because left on my own, I sink. You sink. But when you're going through the hardships and the struggles and the messiness of life, we have Yahweh. I am. Who is Jesus? Jesus is Yahweh. Point number two, Jesus is our forgiver. Jesus is our forgiver. We find this in Mark chapter two, verses eight through 12. And before I I read this too, can we just say we're, we're doing a flyover of who Jesus is in this moment. Would you read the gospels? Would you deep dive yourself because we could be here for, for weeks to talk about the greatness of Jesus. Would you, would you do that? You know, we, we, we were given the challenge by Jim to read through John during the series. If you haven't done that yet, just like I hope Rudy picks up the gospel of John, I hope you do too. Get to know this Jesus because time, as I see my timer going down, just fails us, right? We just don't have enough time. Get to know this Jesus. All right, so Mark chapter two, sorry, verse eight. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? All right, let's pause right there. Give you a little backstory. Jesus is in his home in Capernaum and it is packed out. It's not even standing room only. They're packed in like sardines. There's that saying, I think, right? Like stack them, stacking them like cord, cordwood. I don't know what that saying is, but it's like that, right? They're just packed in. There's just no room whatsoever. And these, 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 these people come carrying this, paralytic, this guy who couldn't walk. They're carrying him on a, on a stretcher, and they're desperate to see Jesus. They're so desperate that they tear through the roof. Can you imagine if we were sitting in here, and all of a sudden, the roof just starts coming open, right? It'd be a little bit crazy. I just imagine Jesus sitting there like, oh man, what are they going to do with my homeowner's insurance with this one, right? But no, they, they tear it open, they bring down this guy on his, on his stretcher, his paralytic. And Jesus looks at him and he says, son, your, your sins are forgiven. For Jesus to say that statement, there's a lot of things going on 
It's almost like Jesus is saying that he's been the one wronged. Your sins are, are, are forgiven. I'm forgiving you. And then he's also making it seem that he has the authority to forgive his sins. Well, the Jewish leaders would have nothing to do with this, and they were scoffing and inwardly saying, what, what's the deal? Well, Jesus, knowing their hearts, says, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take up your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man, one of Jesus' favorite statements, underscoring his divinity and his humanity simultaneously, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Can you imagine the sight? He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. This is what Jesus did throughout the Gospels. He authenticated his message through his healings. He underscored the fact that if I can do this, I can forgive sins, because I am God. And what Jesus made clear to those people today, and what he wants to make clear to us today, is he is your forgiver. He's not just Yahweh who's great and grand, but he's also this relational God who is forgiving. Jim had used the illustration of an Etch-A-Sketch a couple months ago to, to, to make a point. And, and so using an Etch-A-Sketch, think about just everything, everything you've done. Think about your sin. Think about your mess-ups. Intentional and unintentional. Think about just, gosh, this morning, right? You might take up a whole hatch of sketch. <laughs> Think about all those written out. What Jesus did when he went on the cross for your sin and for mine, what he did was he took that etch of sketch and he shook it up. What happens when you shake up that etch of sketch? It's erased. It's gone. And not only that, but he replaced it. He replaced it with a new nature. Jim referred to this the other week that he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him, you and I might become the righteousness of God. He erased it and he put on God's righteousness on your Etch-A-Sketch. Do you see yourself that way? Maybe many of you, eh, maybe not many, maybe some of you with a New Year's resolution have decided to, you know, start going to the gym. I don't know why I said to some of you, probably many of you, it just hasn't been me, but you, you decided to go to the gym and maybe you decided because you're crazy to join CrossFit. And at CrossFit, I don't know, I've just heard, at CrossFit you have these things with this vest that you have on and it can carry like weight behind you, like on the ground, and so you run and the weight's trailing behind you. Again, it's crazy. I don't understand why people do that. But it's supposed to give you a workout. Gosh, I wonder if some of us, we just keep trailing that weight around with us. I mean, think about how absurd it would be to take that weight, to actually strap on the weight and just be going through Safeway, going through church, going into group, you know, and you're just trailing it along. But sometimes we, we carry that weight of our sin. 
We say, God can't forgive me for that. He can forgive you and you and you. He can't forgive me for that sin. There is no sin too great that your Savior didn't die for on the cross. Remember, he became sin who knew no sin. He was sin for us. So in him, you, you, you might become the righteousness of God. Let God take that weight. He already bore it on the cross. Would you give that over to him? Jesus is our forgiver. Who else is Jesus? Well, point number three, Jesus is victorious over sin and death. Jesus is victorious over sin and over death. We see this in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I gotta give myself a cough one second. And we're back. So John chapter 20, now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the 12, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Remember, this is where Jesus, has, he's already risen from the grave. He appeared to them. He didn't appear to Thomas yet. So the other th- disciples told Thomas, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, okay, before we say what he said to them, can we just admit Thomas gets a bad rap? You and I would have said the exact same thing if we had not seen the resurrected Jesus. Would you be honest, right? Like, Thomas gets a bad rap. We are doubting Thomas. I just want just to, okay, I'll get off that soapbox. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A whole week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, I love that Jesus did this. Jesus came and stood among them. Imagine that. The doors are locked, and then boom, there's Jesus. I think he had fun with that. He stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. (laughs) See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Jesus already knew what Thomas was saying. He's literally answering his exact thing that he was bringing up in the previous verses. I just love that. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, what did he say to him? My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Again, people out there, people in our world, they'll say Jesus never claimed to be God. We see that he claimed to be God. We see that he claimed to have authority to forgive sins, which only God can do. And we see that he received the statements from his disciples that he was God. This is Jesus' time to say, no, 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 you got it all wrong, Thomas. Now, He receives that. Why? Because he is God, my Lord and my God. Jesus is our victorious king over sin and over death. Again, how did man get others to believe he was God? Because he's God. Because he appeared to the disciples. He appeared to Thomas, who said, my Lord and my God. He appeared to hundreds of others, we are told in the scriptures, which is just amazing to think about. We see that before even pen to paper was put for scripture being written in the first century, the Jesus movement had exploded. 
all throughout the, the, the Israel and then spreading to the rest of the world through Paul. We see this incredible story of the gospel. We see as the centuries go on that Jesus is talked about again and again and again in secular documents. He was a huge figure. My Lord and my God. We see through Scripture as well that we have validity in Scriptures. This book that you're holding in your lap is the most well-preserved document in history, and it's not even close. You think Tom Brady is not even, their second person of the quarterbacks is not even close to Tom Brady. It's not even like that. It's like so far beyond, so far supreme. There are so many more documents and manuscripts and validity to this book that you're holding than any other book. It's not even close. It's like if you were to compare myself to Tom Brady, I guess, right? It's just this incredible, incredible thing that God has done. So you look at our Bibles, you look at ancient history, you look at the Jesus movement throughout the years, and now we sit here and we get to say, my Lord and my God. How can we not say Jesus is God? Jesus, who came fully God and fully man to this earth, changed everything for you and me. N.T. Wright puts it this way, in the Gospels, the Jesus who emerges is thoroughly believable as a figure of history, even though the more we look at him, the more we feel once more that we may be staring into the sun. It's fully God, fully man, the man of history who really came for us, who's Yahweh, forgiver, and victorious. James Hudson Taylor put it this way, he's either Lord of all, or he's not Lord at all. He's either Lord of all, of everything in our lives, our bank account, our marriage, our relationships, our jobs, or he's not Lord at all. Which one is he for you? And if you don't know this Jesus, let today be the day that you know him. Stop putting it off. He's here right now and he wants to know you. Come up and talk to us. Talk to the prayer team after service. We want to pray with you. We want to be here for you. We want you to know Yahweh, the forgiver, the conquering king. So what do we do with all of this? Well, here's one of our big takeaways. Put yourself in environments where you are face to face with Jesus. Put yourself in environments where you are face to to face with the God of the universe. What does that look like? Spend time with him personally. Spend time with him in his word and in prayer. And you know what? You're not going to get it perfectly. And some of us, I'm speaking to myself too, we say, I, I can't do that. Like, I'm going to mess it up. I'm not going to do it perfectly. It has to be just right. Would you give him your imperfect self and with your imperfect time and imperfect affections? Spend time with him. I've got an adorable six-week-old right now. And I got to tell you, my time with the Lord looks a little bit differently than it did a couple months ago. But spend time with him. Whatever that looks like. In the middle of the night, Micah and I are, are going over the, the book of James and we're singing some worship songs, right? It looks a little different. What does it look like for you? Because if we wait to give him our perfect self, we're never going to be there. 
If you were, if you're in a marriage and you, you, you wait to give your spouse the perfect date, the perfect experience, perfectly spend time with them, you're never going to be around them. You give your imperfect self. Do that with God. Spend time with him. Spend time face-to-face as a family. Do devotions together. Read, read, read a couple verses and pray. Spend some time together. Let's set an example for our kids, for our family. Spend time as a family. And then finally, spend time face-to-face in a group, corporately, with others. Get involved. I love what Doug shared about Group Connect. So I encourage you, go out there. There's no used car salesmen. We, salesmen, salesmen, we promise. There's not. Just go and, and see. Just give it a shot. I encourage you to check out a group. And maybe you go, you go to a group, and it just doesn't work for you. It's okay. I promise you're not signing your life away. But try. Take that next step. See what God has for you. Because we firmly believe that we don't just grow in a row. We grow in a circle. We believe about doing life together. Spend time with others who seek the face of Jesus too. And then collectively seek his face together. This ship that Jesus is God, the ship of the gospel, won't sink. It will not sink. And we all are on a voyage with him from wherever we are to where God wants us to be. You can trust him. May we continue to seek his face. Because on Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Would you pray with me? Lord, we love you. Thank you for the space. Thank you for this time. Lord, would you be with each one of my friends here? And God, whatever you want to do in their lives, whatever you want to do from this morning, would you do it? I just pray, God, for each of my friends that we wouldn't just walk out of this room and and forget, God, but whatever it is that you want for each one of us, that next step, that next thing, that maybe it's just we need to behold your face all the more. Maybe it's joining a group. Maybe it's getting involved with the, the, the nursery training so we can continue to serve you as we behold your face. Whatever it is, God, would you just be with us? You're the firm foundation. You're the ship who won't sink. We worship you. You're the way maker, the miracle worker, the promise keeper, the light in the darkness. And God, I just can't help but think there's people in this room who is, again, it's one of the worst weekends of their life. Or there's people in this room who's one of the best weekends of their life. You care about them right where they are at. So we praise you, Jesus. Praise you for being the I am, the bread of life, the, the, the true vine, the good shepherd. We worship you. We love you. Thank you for this time. We just give you all the glory. and praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, well, hey, there is a prayer team on my right, your left. Again, take that next step. Go, go talk to somebody. Go learn more about groups in the event center. By the way, there's donuts, so you can't go wrong, right? Love you guys. Have a great rest of your day.